Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to an edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. My name is Graham, and joining me as always, he probably got pinged for track limits on his way home again. It's, uh, it's Luke Holmes. For traffic limits? Traffic yeah. limits, yeah, not bad. Yeah. How are we doing, Graham? Not too shabby. Yourself, was it busy on the road back? No, surprisingly not. Just 50 miles an hour most of the way home, which is great. At, at 8 o'clock on a Sunday evening. It's not great. Oh, I, saw, I, I guess everyone's in the same boat, I guess. Everyone's just trying to get back home for Sunday evening. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's weird. There shouldn't have been as much traffic as there was. <laughs> and uh, your tyres held up just fine on the way back? Uh... Yes, because my tyres um, were actually usable on an abrasive surface, so and on some brand new tarmac as well. So you know, you didn't have to change them after uh, eighteen kilometres. No, no, I had to uh, keep my eye on the PSIs, but mm. we got there. It was, it was touching cloth at some points, but <laughs> it was uh, not not not. I, I didn't have to pit on the or anything like that. No, no, no limits. No, uh, no. No uh, maximum uh, distance for you, so oh, what, what, what travesty! Jeez, <laughs> uh, oh, like I know, I look, I know, like there are things that we go on about a lot on this podcast. Pirelli being one of them, but oh my god, <laughs> like, this is possibly the worst example of Pirelli behaviour. Oh, my god, I don't think goodness. we've ever had to adjust a Grand Prix weekend midway through the weekend because we realised the tyres are that abrasive, they're being that shit because of the abrasive surface and the actual structure can't take the battering that they're getting. It's ridiculous. Oh dear. Bear in mind, these are the hardest. Uh, it was the C3, the C2 and the C1. I know the C... Oh, so we're missing out the, the C0. The C0 may have actually been useful here, but... Anyway, but of course, like these things, of course, are taken once in advance, so, you know. Maybe next well, year. You, know, you would sort of uh, get a car out to test it with it being a brand new surface and not being there on these cars. But you know, well, we had to do that for being uh, in between. We had to delay the spring shootout for twenty minutes to squeeze in an unofficial little practice session after some changes were made as well. After Friday night, yeah. oh dear. Well, uh, I mean, I hate to start there, but I guess uh, you got to. I guess we have to in a sense because it did end up kind of shaping some of the weekend now, now this look so much happened this weekend so uh, forgive me if one or two details i'm missing do we have to actually do we, do we end up having to reduce the sprint in the end or was it was 19 laps anyway it was 19 anyway okay that was lucky because they were talking about 20 uh, as a as a maximum uh, some people went for softs and we saw in the sprint how that kind of turned out uh some it's looking very good at the start wasn't it was it like, looked pretty well and then they dropped, like to the point. Oh, I mean, they dropped to the point where Russell, under the, the second, I think it was the second safety car, asking like to box essentially from when was he? he was running second, I think at the time. Yeah, it would have dropped him to basically last. Yeah, they were right to hold out as they were in the end, but but that's like it just shows the the level of the the drop off on the on the softs, and obviously like he fell he fell he fell out of the the podium places for the sprint and uh, quite a bit back in the end as well, and uh, you had some other drivers who went on the mediums. 
some people like they and you had like the likes of Alonso who like is like like would just throw Saturday completely out the window and just use the, the softs on the on the Saturday and just and just save the mediums for for Sunday. So some people kind of had to pick their battles. So yeah, let's, let's just get into the whole uh, drama. So they conducted how this how they got to the root of the issue and what the root issue was. Uh, they sort of probably conducted its usual Friday night routine uh, for analysis of used tyres, the ones that are handed back after FP1, and they're no longer used. I'm going to read from motorsport.com as to the process of this. Uh, this is from Adam Adam Cooper. Uh, the usual process involves cutting up sample tyres for a more detailed look. Usually nothing untoward is discovered, but on this occasion, late in the evening, this is a Friday evening now, this is already after, uh, this is after qualifying, mind you, so you know we've gone full tilt on these tyres uh, to the max. Uh, Perry found issues uh, with tyres that had run 20 laps or more. The FIA was immediately alerted that the sequel seat director, Nicholas Tombasis, was shown the damaged tyres and the plan to formulate on how to respond. So uh, a statement then from the governing body noted that there's a, quote, separation in the sidewall between the topping compound and the carcass cords on many of the tyres that were checked and discovered. It is the view of the FIA and pray that a significant number of additional laps on these tyres could result in circumfer- circumferential, yeah, there's a word for you, uh, damage of the tyres with subsequent air loss and tyres analysed with lower lap numbers showed a much reduced uh, extent of the issue. So uh, then we found out then, that, so that was, I mean, that was hanging over the sprint and then we weren't going to get a decision on uh, a possible maximum lap uh, mandate on the tires until that didn't come till Sunday, and then we found out then sometime in the after in the morning of the afternoon that basically the eighteen laps was the maximum each compound was allowed to do, essentially mandating a three stopper uh, for this race. So quite incredible stuff, really. Uh, everyone was left to tot up how many tires they'd done because uh, because obviously like you've got to. You know, an extra set of tires, and you've got to calculate how much tire. Uh, maybe you, you use an FB two, or sorry, yeah, of course we. Given the spring weekend that was in, it, of course, we only had one proper practice session for Park from Aclo, so any sub adjustments that to help on this uh, and the, uh, any tire management also went out the window. They really did. It was just that's the only thing with the spring weekend formats, and it's you don't really get time to understand things. I think it was a bit of a silly move putting in a sprint weekend on this track when it had just been resurfaced personally i think it needed the three sessions to rubber in and so we can get the data but apparently not of course we had tire issues the last time we were here as well with some tires uh, obviously going kaput as well uh capito yes. even you might say because the two williams drivers uh, were as we were talking about last week kind of fellow cropper to this uh, yeah, there are, cause like, and obviously there was chatter about the uh, the pyramid curbs as well, which uh, the track called Standard, which like, I don't know. What's, uh, geez. Anyway, uh, how do you want to go about this? Do you want to start with events on Friday and then work your way through a sprint or just do general winners and losers of the, uh, the Qatar Grand Prix weekend? General winners and losers because there's some of it in the middle where they've got a good sprint and then a shit race and some have got a good race and a shit sprint. Hmm. So. so after all was said and done in the end on race day on Sunday, it was Max Verstappen who again uh, who crowned. Uh, yeah, didn't have to didn't have to uh, didn't have to wait for Sunday to uh, take his third con- uh, drivers world title. He now officially wraps it up as was basically a formality. It uh, turns out he only had to score three points uh, on Saturday, and that ended up. Uh, didn't even need to do that in the end when uh, Perez ended up 
uh, being taken out in the sprint. But uh, it was a Verstappen victorious on Sunday ahead of Oscar Piastri and ahead of his team at Lando Norris with George Russell recovering to finish P4 ahead of Charlie Leclerc, Fernando Alonso, Esteban Ocon in 7th, Valtteri Bottas in 8th. Uh, we've had we, there's a plenty of uh, post race penalties. I, even as we record this, I, I may, maybe there's more to come. I don't know, but for now, I believe Guan Yu Zhou has actually taken ninth place and Sergio Perez in tenth. Uh, then I thought, gosh, uh, hold on. Normally, I look at the uh, the result on Twitter for this uh, from F1 itself, but of course, uh, <laughs> we've had some chops and changes. So uh, excuse me as I get the rest of this correct. Uh, Stroll, okay, Stroll did end up finishing in 11th to have Pierre Gasly with Alex Albon finishing in 13th to have Kevin Magnussen, Yuki Tsunoda, Nico Hulkenberg, Liam Lawson then rounding out the uh, last of the classified finishers with uh, Sergeant Hamilton and uh, DNFing and uh, poor old Carlos Sainz didn't even get to take the race start uh, with a fuel leak preventing him from taking uh, from starting the race from 12th on the grid in the end. So, uh, let's just quickly cover the... Uh, Dribble angle of things. Uh, Max Verstappen obviously takes his third driver's world title. He moves up to 49 uh, race victories now. So he's gunning for 50 before the end of the season. It's his 14th race win of the season. Uh, just, yep, didn't even need, uh, didn't need to win the sprint. Didn't need to do anything in the sprint once Perez was taken out of the equation. But uh, obviously not, not, not the most commanding of victories, but there's to an extent with some of these races, there's you can kind of sense there's always some element of given that what their pace advantage is there's some level of like okay we can kind of take it easy a bit the gap was under five seconds to be fair to piastri so you know and we have what was uh, there was one race not too long ago where there was a little bit of late race kind of uh, management that was somewhat urgent from verstappen so you know maybe on another day perhaps this could have been a different story but uh, look another race win from basically start to finish caps off what's been a obviously just a dom- dominant year on route to a, a third world title yeah it's it's another one of them weekends for Max where it's literally trick- ticking off every box, isn't it? You got pole fastest lap and the race wins. We got the hard trick as normal. Um, literally didn't see him after lap one. The gap was already like one and a half seconds, and then pretty much after the uh, safety car restart cleared, Piastri caught him napping a little bit, um, and yeah, just drove off. Didn't really think about much really. Like you said, the gap got a little bit closer than what I thought. The end on the last stop, but I think Red Bull just ran a bit longer than they needed to, and just ended up getting under quite a little bit too much. But still had a comfortable margin at the end of the day. So just another great weekend, I guess, for Max. Just sort of showing why he is the best at the moment. Yeah, like on a weekend where like rivals including Hamilton, Norris, Alonso basically called it like it was like faultless this season, like in that side. And that's what's been like the undercut at the end. Uh, Red Bull just covering Hornet. Christian, Christian Horner was talking afterwards, just covering bases in case of a late race safety car. That was that's yeah, that yeah. was all. That was all for that. So, you know, obviously, he didn't take. He took pole on Friday. Uh, the the reason why he took pole, I think, is more. So that you look at we can maybe look at more from the McLaren side of things as to why that occurred. He didn't. Uh, he could only manage third on the on the sprint shootout, and then in the race, once he had kind of filtered his way through uh, through the. Uh, Oh, actually, he ended up being lower than that, wasn't he? Because he got he's got his time to lead. I thought actually in the end, didn't he? For the the for the sprint shootout, he started a bit further. He's down. Still saw third. He's just saw third. He got he got he yeah. a bit more. It, he had a time deleted, but it, it did end up mm. making him still third regardless. He ended up having to come through the field a little bit in the sprint. I think partly because there was some people on softs that ended up getting the jump. Eventually, cycled through. Didn't have enough to catch Piastri in the end. Didn't need to, of course. So he got his uh, his title. 
What did you think of the uh, the helmet? He, I thought that's one of the nicest for Sapin helmets that um, they whipped out afterwards. The 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 triple the the, the third world championship helmet, the navy and gold, is absolutely I, gorgeous. I, I love that one more than his last year's celebration of the championship helmet, mm-hmm. which is the gold and white. This darker one suited the rebels so much more. I thought to think way beauty. nicer. It really is, and the uh, the stars on the back mm-hmm. is uh, very very nice. I think here's a, here's a, I didn't realize this stash before it happened, but Verstappen has won three world championships since Lewis Hamilton last won a race. Yeah, isn't that mad? I know, it's obviously, there like obviously like the next race in, in one sense was obviously the world title in the first one, but he's won three titles in the times Hamilton's won a last won a race. That is mad. Uh, again, like we run out of superlatives at this stage for it, uh, but yeah, just a, a clean weekend. I do think you know. Obviously, they had a bit more. Look, you can look at the gap and like, oh, you think, oh, if Piastri hadn't got caught up in the traffic in this in the middle of the race, maybe it could have been different. I imagine Red Bull would have uh, covered that accordingly. So you know, it's not a matter of looking at that. Oh, he finished less than five seconds ahead of Piastri. If the middle part hadn't happened, then maybe Piastri could have won. I, I don't think we would have got to that 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 stage. I think that they would have safely covered it off. Yeah, I think it would have been fine, mm. but there's still something in it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also don't have anything else really to add on Verstappen at this stage. Like we've kind of talked about all season, to be fair, in in, in passing. But it's just it's been a fourteen time plus the sprints <laughs> repetition on this, hasn't it? Yeah, very much so. So uh, he continues to blaze the path. Uh, how many? We've got what six, five races left. Six races left. Yeah. So if we've, uh, I need to actually double check that. But he like what he could reach for at this stage is quite remarkable in terms of like he's on 14 now and mm. we look at the tracks I've got out. I just, I just wanted to see if there's 5 or 6 left because if 20 is in play uh, so Cota, Mexico, Brazil, Vegas Abu Dhabi, so I believe that is 5 so yeah. 19 races left, he's on cue to smash uh Jim Clark's old standing record of win percentage in the season. I believe it's 70. I, I forget. It's in the 70s. I think it's 71% is what that uh, record stands. And that's a that's an age old record. So obviously the number of races in the season obviously has gone up. But obviously you can look at to the, the percentage. And like if he wins, if he did, if it was a clean, clean sweep, like you got that's 19 out of the 20. That would be 19 out of 23 races. That'd be nuts. That would be uh, ridiculous. Uh, that record is definitely not getting broken. Wait, the mats, the the mats, the mats are mapping at the because uh, two for Perez and one for Sainz. Let me take it to twenty. Yeah, it's twenty. That takes us to maybe twenty. It's twenty in play. I thought it was fourteen. Where one, two, three, He's on fourteen four, now. Five, no, there's six races left. There's six races left. Three. No, there's only this is Cota. Jeez, Cota, Mexico, Brazil. Which is embarrassing for a Formula One podcast. I know Cota, Mexico, Brazil, Vegas, oh, no, you're Abu right. Dhabi. There's only five left. So this must be fifteen. Let me double check that. Uh, here, here, uh, here, why don't you run off some ever stopping thoughts while I learn how to count? I've just counted. There's only two pairs and one science win. So this is for win number fifteen. It have to be, wouldn't it? Ugh. Yeah, it has to be. <laughs> At least he's already eclipsed uh, last year's mark. He won fourteen. 
Yeah, unless we're just being stupid. So. I, I, it's been look. It's been a long weekend. <laughs> Whatever. We've, uh, we've the numbers are there. Times in the past. Yeah, yeah. you you did the math. Yeah, the numbers are <laughs> the numbers are there. But anyway, uh, I don't want anything else to add on Verstappen. Do you want to rumble on to the boys in orange and the McLarens and when? yeah, and the driver of the weekend? Yeah, hmm. let's start with Oscar Piastri. Obviously. Uh, quite yeah, quite a weekend for Piastri. Obviously, well, <laughs> Friday was an interesting one because he was third, and then mid-interview yep. after the after qualifying, he was bumped out, so to speak. So he he, he was dinged for uh, track limits. He at least had the benefit of a lap, so he at least was six. So it was like, and then obviously he took the sprint shootout uh, pole on Merish, having beaten both Verstappen. And then his teammate Norris made a mistake. Well, there's lots to talk about with Norris later, but I just want to focus on Piastri for now. So, in a sense, in a, in a large sense for McLaren, it was. I, I, Saturday was really cool, but I I felt disappointed. It was like, oh man, like we could have had that on Friday for, you know, and, and instead they're sixth and tenth. You could just got the sense, as, as awesome as it was on after the sprint shootout on. On uh, on Saturday, you think, oh, this this could have been so much better for the race. They're sixth and ten; they're clearly out of position here. Yeah, it could have been, but it sort of redeemed itself by what happened at the first corner for Oscar, at least. And then Lando obviously came through because still a lot of people were out of position and struggling on the tyres, um, i.e. Ferrari. And uh, obviously Alonso was struggling with the wind and the car just not being great. Um, so in the end, it didn't really matter that much. They still got the the best result they could in that sense but it could have been a lot more if they uh, were in the position they probably deserved to be in which is at least one car on the front row for the great for the grand prix mm. in the uh, in the sprint of course the obviously piastri was jumped by the uh, soft starting russell uh, a bit of a die for russell in the end too uh, it was clean like it clean enough, but uh, russell went for it in his uh, was that turn six as well <laughs> yeah that, that that turn turn one and two three and then turn six really the only overtaking spots apart from the straight isn't it yeah russell kind of made turn six his own uh in the uh, in the race on sunday but it's the race eventually came back to piastri then uh, when the the softs went off and he got that done, and he did a great job with hold because like once like once Verstappen cycled through and got the second, and there was about what four or five laps left to go. You really thought, mm-hmm. oh, this isn't safe yet. But Piastri put in some great laps, stabilized the gap. I think of what went down to under two seconds, but nothing that went within a within DRS. And uh, we said it, man. We said it a few times that imagine if Piastri won some sort of race before Norris and. Again, when the the time was there for McLaren to to strike again, it's not been Norris; it's been his teammate, and it was, this time it was Piastri. Just what is this the best rookie season now since uh, Lewis Hamilton? Or again, do you are you counting Vettel eight? Uh, how, how do you read things now with Piastri in his rookie season? Uh, Piastri, yeah, this is the best season for a rookie since since Lewis by by a mile. Just because Vettel didn't have the car all year, whereas Piastri's going to have the car for at least two thirds of the year, if you know what I mean. It's um, it's a little bit different. Lewis had the car the entire year, so obviously that's going to be the better one out of the three. But um, it's just it's funny, isn't it, that Norris has spent all this time at McLaren and has been taught about the Golden Boy when <laughs> I know, and then again isn't in, in the, the one in the position. And gets annoyed at himself because he's not put himself in the position and calls himself this, that, and the other team, over team radio. And then it ends up with his uh, teammate absolutely bossing the sprint race. 
and and even taking pole like it is what yeah it blew me away like we both knew this guy was oh, special yeah. but I didn't think he would be a match for Lando and battering Lando in that sort of sort of circumstance now I do think Lando still has the long run pace advantage yeah I think that's very clear but if you want someone to be there to take an opportunity and do a lap to stick it on pole, then I think Oscar's your man right now anyway. It's so, so impressive for him to be able to do what he's doing right now, mm-hmm. considering he's out of the sport for a year and moved to all that, was surrounded by all that controversy last year mm-hmm. and then moves into this and literally hits the ground running pretty much as soon as he's given the machinery to do it with. So it's very, very impressive. I think it was such a like I think it was such a blessing for him. Not so for Norris, of course, but like it's such a blessing for Piastri that it, I think I think it, I think I mentioned this earlier this year. The it, the car being as bad as it was early in the year probably helped Piastri. Yeah, oh, the line might a little bit. Yeah, most of the year got used to it. Yeah, well, like it's like Silverstone has been just a very much a, he's arrived, and I'm trying to think of rookie seasons that like you've got like. Jacques Villeneuve, 96, yeah. Hamilton, 97, or 97, 2007, uh, Vettel, 08, just purely for the, obviously the, that one race initially was just a, a monumental result. He's, he's some good P4s, I think, here and there, to Vettel as well. you got Leclerc. Leclerc, 2018. Uh, yeah, that's a good, a good uh, rookie year, but I think Piastri's certainly moved beyond that now. Uh, but like, um, maybe some other ones in the 90s and the 80s, maybe that I'm not quite sure, but like, it's the best. There's certainly the best three rookie seasons I think in the last twenty years. You're talking Villeneuve, yeah. Hamilton, Piastri. I think at least off the top of my head, at least I think because like again, I think Schumacher again Schumacher kind of it doesn't really count because he came in midway ninety one. So even though he won a race in the second season or for his first full season, you know again he had some running by that stage, like a, like in terms of proper rookie stuff. So yeah, like certainly. If I'm missing a couple, like Piastri, certainly top five in terms of like rookie seasons as we know. It. Like it, it, this is the territory we're entering now. And again, the race, like it, it, like you said, it worked out very nicely. Basically, quali- the mistake of qualifying was basically nullified immediately with the Hamilton Russell collision because he just slipped up. Uh, Alonso had to kind of check a little bit with the Mercedes in front of him. Piastri just slipped up down the inside, and there you go, he's in second place. And there's your mistake from Friday, basically undone. Uh, other than like the chance to maybe have a go at. Verstappen into turn one or on the outside or whatever the case may have been, but like that's that's really it. Like he got into P two. Uh, the the thing with the mid stint, it was a well. People, I don't think the commentary, maybe Sky Sports, maybe copped it, but the F one TV didn't. It was a slow stop for Piastri on the one of the stops. It was like three point one seconds. The right rear had some issues, and that critically put him behind the Haas of Magnussen and I think it was a Sonoda. I can't remember which other car he was. Magnussen was battling with. Might have been Joe. Uh, anyways, it was some midfield uh, slash car towards the back, and just he lost a lot of time overtaking, trying to get past uh, those guys, and he lost a, f- a good number of seconds too uh, for Stappen. The gap was, I think, less than five seconds before the first round of stops, and it got quite a bit higher than that afterwards. So, yeah, it was a slow stop for Piastri. That kind of the, McLaren had some excellent stops throughout the day. Like we had a two second one. They do. I think it was like a two point. They broke the record. Did they actually break the record? 1.8. Wow. Uh, just, yeah, like, they had good stops, but that one, that, the one, yeah, that one for Piastri, because it looked like, it looked like they just fed him out of the traffic. I was like, oh, guys, why have you done this? It just, margins were that fine. Uh, the, the slower stop just, 
yeah, ended up being quite costly in the end. But Piastri won an, uh, run an excellent race. P2, they did, look, I think Norris, will, and we'll kind of shift to Norris' side of things now, unless you have any closing thoughts on uh, Piastri. I think the I think they did the right thing, McLaren, in just like let's just hold position. Uh, like Piastri, look, he'd done the business on Saturday. He did the business on uh, Friday in terms of I guess like I guess being ahead of Norris. And I think I think it was, it was the right thing for them to hold position in this in this instance to uh, to keep Piastri in front of Norris. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't I don't see they didn't need to switch. If they if they needed to switch, fair enough. But they didn't. The threat wasn't there because they knew that George was going to go on to softs and they were going to die. And the gap was way too big for him to make up 14 seconds in the last stint. So there's no need to switch. Um, yeah, just just once again, Norris just seems to... The opportunity sort of like presents himself for him to do something and then it just doesn't quite come off. And then it's he's playing catch-up and then puts himself in a position where he's behind his teammate and then sort of has to ask the question, can I go past, and then gets denied. It's... It's a shame because obviously I think we both want him to get his first win, but it's sort of I think the dynamic might be shifting a little bit, McLaren, you know. Because I, I think they know they've they've got Oscar obviously tied down now a little bit. Mm. But I think if Oscar keeps getting favoured in certain scenarios, I know it's not only the first like proper occasion where Oscar's sort of got the priority, but Right, he's been on the other side Land- of this Land- plenty of times this year. Yeah. Lando doesn't like that kind of thing. That's his team. So, and I'm not being funny. I, I, I think if Lando sees himself sort of being brushed aside a few more times than he thinks is what's necessary, then he will be more open to being tapped up by potential suitors when his contract expires, or potentially even sooner. But that's just me yeah. being hypothetical. But it, it's still one of them where you you've mentioned in the past you don't like how he deals with the certain radio messages, and mm. I agree. I, I get why he asked the question, why we're not oh, absolutely, but yeah. it's just, it's the way he says it. It's, that's what annoys me. Um, but he's still, again, P3, you can't knock it. P2, in qualifying for the sprint. And yeah, it, it, it's just McLaren, I think, surely have fourth on like a lockdown now. Surely. Because that gap has come down massively. Well, it's two back-to-back weekends where, like, it's been two the two drivers on the podium. So the gap is eleven. It's eleven points. Like, it it is done. Like, they are toast. Yeah, and if is if they keep going the way they are, then uh, Ferrari need to fucking get their act together because the gap is only what. Uh, it's a little bit Ferrari more. Two, no. It's it's still though. If they keep getting double podiums, man. Eighty-nine uh, Ferrari, like, points. Seventy-nine. Uh, Seventy-nine points. Yeah, double podiums, or at least one guy on the podium and the other one in the top five for the rest of the season. Ferrari stops slipping back, then something Ferrari got to keep an eye on. It might get shut down very quickly when we get closer towards the end of the season, but it's still something to keep an eye on because obviously Aston Martin one's basically done now. Yeah, that that's that's yeah. toast. Like, there's no way for back um, like it, for Aston now at this stage, it's too much. Uh, the momentum's too much on McLaren's side. The the Ferrari thing, like again, they need a big result to go. Like like the the first stage for the Aston Martin thing with McLaren and getting up to them, they would literally need like a first and a third or something like that, or a double podium would do the trick as well. And like a, it has, there has to be a Ferrari non-score and a massive McLaren result to get get that ball rolling. And even if they had like, like a thirty. 40 point swing 
they need to like they need to they have to do something like equivalent like almost again to like there's only five races left so like there's there is not a lot of time for this so i i think ferrari are fine um with this norris for uh piastri thing do you get shades and this is like the iron look everyone's full of ironies but do you see shades of uh in piastri norris do you see shades of verstappen and ricardo from red bull like 2018 20 a little bit yeah doesn't it feel like that a little bit the only difference, I what you mean. yeah. The only difference I think would be like Norris would move up the grid rather than uh, than Ricardo Go going back or like to a, a situation like like a, like, a, like the comparable I think would be like an Audi or something if like if the same thing happened. But we all know if, if Norris is going moving, if he did this, if he does decide to move, then obviously he's going up the grid. But yeah, like it, you could like maybe you could make draw some early comparisons between the early Ricardo Verstappen dynamic as when things were beginning to shift there like it I think it's early still because I think the bottom line as you've said ultimately Norris had and you saw especially at the end of that second stint Norris was still quicker in the long runs of things like he was quicker than Piastri but I think Norris rightly bore the consequences of messing up as he did on on the Friday, like he, he, it was, and look, as, as he's held, he's held his own hands up very much here. He was quite harsh on himself as well. It was very much yeah, his fault. Was. Like, you know, he went over the track limits both times in, in Q3. It was his own fault. You started 10th. He definitely should have been contending for pole, both oh. Friday and Saturday. Uh, made a mistake then in, in, in the sprint shootout. Because I think he was barreling towards pole position. There was no, I think he had about, when everything was hooked up, I think he had about like, two or so te- two or three tenths on Piastri when things were going right and I think they could have been a very similar margin had he not stuffed up the last corner like he definitely had the pace but he just couldn't string it together so you know there, so take with that what you will and just the, the, this evolving tonight between the two Norris would be kicking himself because if he gave himself a better position on the, the Friday he definitely could have been in contention for the victory on Sunday uh, maybe but like 100%. well I mean yeah I think he could have been. Yeah, I think he, I'll, I'll move that because his pace was very, very good, and uh, he definitely could have easily won the sprint on uh, on Saturday. So again, he only has himself to blame. He's making these mistakes himself, and that's kind of you know Piastri is doing that as well. Like that's there's some responsibility that Piastri is for that as well. Like he's pushing Lando in a way that Ricardo obviously wasn't doing. So like you know Norris has to elevate his game, nail it, and try and cut out some of these little mistakes he's making. Because there's been a few of these recently. There has, yeah. And then obviously, you cut the mistakes out, then the opportunity will present itself to win a Grand Prix. You're not going to win a race by making mistakes, are you? Mm, especially against Verstappen. Position. Yeah, literally. That's the thing, isn't it? That's what he's sort of got to look at. And he's like, that. the lots of drivers this weekend, um, Lewis and Alonso in particular, said Verstappen's basically had a faultless season. The only one one race really that went to shit was obviously Singapore, mm-hmm. but that wasn't entirely his fault. It was the car, but literally he could not have done a race. I don't think there has been a race really where he's cocked up. It's literally been polless. So Norris needs to literally do exactly the same and, and mirror what Verstappen is doing to literally do what we know all know he's capable of mm-hmm. just needs to push himself that little bit more yeah look we all know he's got the pace like he he has the pace he just needs to get the consistency nailed down iron out some of these mistakes it can be the hardest thing to get to make that leap to to, to do it the first time uh, and 
I feel like the longer you get stuck on it, the harder it gets. And look, there's obviously so much that Norris can control in that sense. Like, he, like he's put the car in second place on multiple occasions. Like, we were talking about the Nick Heitfeld thing. Like, he's been in second multiple times now. So I think, like, four or five times now. Like, he's yeah. putting the car in the right places. Just, like, sometimes you need a little bit of luck to go your way. And, you know, like, look, look no further than Ocon or Gasly and some other drivers that need a bit of luck to get their first win. Car Sainz is a good example of that. You know, you, the, the, he had the car, but sometimes you need that little bit of luck. And obviously Verstappen and Red Bull have been very reliable. So like Norris has been in the right places. But yeah, just this weekend, it's it's great. What could it have been? Because yeah, the pace is there, but just has to find a way to rein in some of those mistakes while keeping that car as much as he can. It's such a difficult thing to do. But um, it really is. Look, we all agree. It's he's like he's knocking. He's very much knocking. I think there's going to be a chance for now in the end of the season, given because like I that that car is now very much like that is moved into second quickest. I think we can all kind of agree on that. Now. Yeah, that, that, is, that is obvious. Yeah, that car is very much now second, second best. And he puts and Perez continue to not be in the place to pick up if something should go wrong with Verstappen. Again, it takes it something so simple as you know a fuel leak like we just saw like with, with um, science or a wheel nut is not fitted at a pit stop correctly or some miscommunication in the back marker like there's some there's, you can lose a race in so many different ways uh, like there's a lot that can go wrong and that uh, you know there's a lot that can go wrong so yeah we I think he will get one shot whether, whether this was it will remains to be seen like maybe this was his shot but I think he'll get a chance before the end of the season Norris to to get that off his back. I think it would be huge for him to get that off his back of this season uh, in many ways. Like we said with Science last year, like it was such a huge thing for him to get his poles out of the way and, you know, to uh, to win the race as well. It just it just helps. It just alleviates a lot of that pressure that I don't think it's even come, much, so, come so much from the team, but just from himself. Yeah, it really does. Hmm. So uh, Norris then moves nine points behind Charlie Leclerc then for sixth. And Sainz is not a That's million dumb. miles up the roads either. So a top five finish for Norris is not out of the realms of a possibility here towards the end of the season. It's less than 20 points to fifth. Yeah. Uh, it's about 47 points to Alonso in fourth. So, you know. Imagine. Imagine he gets Alonso. That'd be nuts. Yeah. Like not out of the question, but No, absolutely tough. not. And like, if you want to look further, like, Hamilton's only 11 points up from that even. Now, that might be a bit hard to do because Mercedes is a little bit more consistent than Aston is at this stage, but it's a lot of for grabs, which is unfortunately not a lot what uh, Piastri can say because he's about 50 points odd behind Russell. And If he gets top eight, that's fine. If he, he, won't get, he won't get top eight, though. Russell's in eighth and he's too far up the road. Right. So it's going to be P9 nice. for Piastri, but yeah, it is very much in that, in that realm. Um... Anything else to add on McLaren at all before we uh, no. move on? We kind of spent a lot of time there, but they are the in the informed team, so to speak. Uh, They're in team of the week. Yeah, well, they've been they've ever got a since. Featured so. car. <laughs> huh? Actually, what doing there? Uh, which is very actually very quickly on McLaren as as we just kind of just wrap this up. Like, is I can't like again. I don't know about the nineties and the eighties, etc. But I know exactly I'm, what you're going to say. I'm struggling to remember. The last time, what like has there ever been an in-season turnaround like this? Like the only thing I can think no. of that comes even close is McLaren 2009 and Ferrari 09, and even that almost doesn't count because 
aims to start the first year of a new regulations and there are some clarity issues about the triple diffuser. Uh, McLaren and Ferrari were teams that didn't do that. And so they they were always going to find some more pace mid-season. The only thing that, other thing that comes to mind off the top of my head, again, I could be, again, if, I've, if I'm missing something, let me know. But it would be some of the in-season developments in 2004, both from McLaren and Williams to kind of come from where they were at the start of the season to getting within the chance to win a race towards the end of the season. Technically, technically Toyota 2009, but... <laughs> Did they not start? They were one of the three teams to start with the well, triple they diffuser. They were born. Uh, not 2009. What mind about Ignore me. Stanley <laughs> corrected. Stanley corrected. Uh, but like, I, I can't think, certainly recently, I can't think of a in-season turnaround no. like this. Like, and like, forget, even if you want to throw the, like, even focus from Baku onward. Let's just let's just even take McLaren like from the car they were supposed to start the year with, which was what the Baku upgrade was. Even from that, this is such a massive, massive turnaround. I, I, I genuinely again maybe there's some better examples of this going back in time further I'm down. I'm sure the than... race is going to do a video on this in the off season. Oh yeah, I'm sure it'll happen. But like, I genuinely can't remember. And I think Mark Hughes was almost like on the races podcast when they talked about this. I think in or a topic in passing. I think even they. Or he, and someone as long-storied and decorated as Mark Hughes is as a journalist that covers Formula One, and he has done for decades. I think even he was struggling to pick his brain as for a better in-season turnaround than this. Like that's this is the level of the job that McLaren have done. So that, and, and that obviously bears worth is worth repeating uh, because yeah, it is incredible. Yeah. Uh, right. Who else do you have as a winner of the weekend? Then these start because see these start to become kind of. Few and dry, yeah. George Russell. Um, you kind of have to chuck him in there for the fact of a his recovery drive in the actual Grand Prix itself from an incident that wasn't his fault. Mm-hmm. Um, a good race in the sprint, considering what tyre was on. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously a good quality on Friday to put himself in P two. Yeah, obviously, the, obviously sort he's... of a, a bit of a negligent P two, but still put himself in the position to benefit from others so right he put the lap together we, we banged we banged that banged on about that with mclaren so he can't can't off um give him props for doing that um and we were, we're not massive george fans on this podcast but i'll be i'll be fair to him i think he was then that mercedes was on to, on par with the mclaren yeah race I, uh, there's Sunday. a there's a, gonna be a great what if here with mercedes and what could have been because they were definitely uh Oh, they were not a million miles away ahead of uh, Leclerc's Ferrari in the end. It was actually closer than you might think, but yeah, a great sense fun. of yeah, true. There was a st- uh, and a big socks. mistake, big mistake from what I couldn't remember. He lost like three and a half seconds in one lap, so but it sort of got chucked out of proportion a little bit. But yeah, it's it's still very impressive to go t- from the back to P four, considering. Yeah, a great sense of what if. Uh, he did well, obviously, in the sprint. Like He obviously took the lead early on on the softs and couldn't quite hold on to the lead and then the podium place in the end. But he did end up getting a good result in the sprint as well. Um, yeah, he drove well. He drove a good race. Uh, lots of overtakes, especially into turn six. He was opportunistic through there. So I think Russell, yeah. I think, speaking of in-season turnarounds, I'm actually a big fan of his hairstyle now than compared to what it was. I like the, I like yeah, the parted so look 
that compared to the uh, slicked back, obviously, that he has in all of his, all of his headshots and such. So speaking of in-season uh, turnarounds, uh, winner winner for George Russell. I, why do, why didn't like us? And we only saw it in the first race. He ditched the green, obviously, after the first race and went back to the blue. I, I was I was loving the green. The green? The green. Like, on this, the numbering on his car. It was green on the first it's race. green again. And it, it's blue. Like it was last year. It's it's blue. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, that's why he started out with last year, and he changed it. I, don't, I like that's the green, man. It, it pops on that car so nicely compared to the, that, that shade of blue. But anyways, uh, yeah, not, not a lot to say, really. I, I think he did very well to uh, to get up to four ahead of Leclerc and the such. Obviously, he went for the softs at the end, and he was the only one that did a four-stop in the end. Obviously, look, obviously, the first one was obviously... Uh, <laughs> the first stop, obviously, was uh, forced upon him, of course, but... In a sense, like he would have, he was, look starting from P two. I think he was used as even he was disappointed to start P two because he knew on that side of the grid it was going to be a bit dusty. They obviously, I think Mercedes did what they had to do, and I think I don't blame them for putting Hamilton on the softs from third. That was the best chance to go for a track position on Verstappen. That was fine. Russell ended up getting caught up in the two. We'll talk about kind of Mercedes and and Hamilton a little later on, but yeah, I think Russell, yeah, he drove a good race. Um, yeah, a, a sense of what could have been in the sense. It, I think it could have been quite close with the with the McLarens. I, there, obviously, look, he was quite a bit further back in the end, and there wasn't any safety cars, I think, in this one, other than obviously the start, and obviously he's at the back start, for that. Yeah. So, yeah, he, it, would, it was, would have been interesting to see what that would have looked like had kind of the field closed up and he was right there at the McLarens. But anyways, a good recovery from him. And uh, it helps salvage some points for Mercedes in their fight with Ferrari. But yeah. Yeah, they gained on Ferrari. So it's um, a good weekend in that sense. But it could have been a lot more. It could have been so much more. Yeah, it really could have been. We'll talk about that kind of when we talk about Hamilton. But yeah, I thought a good weekend for Russell. I don't have much else to say other than that. No, no, me either. Uh, one of the weekends to Alfa Romeo. Yeah, let's talk about this. I was going to say, this is like the first time this year we're saying this for Alfa Romeo as a whole outfit. Absolutely. Because this is the first time they've got double points this year. You'd have to imagine so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so that that's great. But I think what what helped them was it was just a clean race. It was, it was like mm. you look at everyone around them, and they everyone tripped up over themselves. Perez, Stroll, Gasly, Albon, uh, like all these people tripped over themselves. Obviously, no Hamilton, no Sainz. No obviously, Those helped two as well. Straight away, mm-hmm. Williams not being on it as much as they were. Normally, because just isn't a Williams track. This, mm. um, so well, that this sort of goes against what I, I say with the result on Saturday. But um, it just it, it just didn't pan out for them in the in the actual Grand Prix. So the fact that Alfa Romeo were actually able to maximise this when this is what we've sort of been banging on about all year, where they need to be in this position. And bear in mind, the car is a lot better. In the last three races, right. I think, and they had up some upgrades again here. I believe again, like I think we said the other week, like they're taking they they say they're taking upgrades up to Vegas. So like there is there is some late season Which development here, like we saw last year as well. There was some late season development just to get them over the line, over ahead of Aston Martin, and they did that in the end with a point I think from Sainz in, in Mexico. But yeah, like clean, well, like Bottas qualified into gone to Q three this time. So and he like he started the race on softs at Bottas and he came in quite early. Uh, very sketchy start from Bottas. Like the tires didn't look like they're up to temperature. Like on the on Bottas's dash, you could actually see the the layer of the tires and they're and they're still they were still blue. And he was trying to work some temperature, <laughs> but like it was very like he was fighting that car a lot on lap one. Kept track position. I thought he may have lost out, but you know he kept the position. It was the sprint where he went backwards, wasn't it? Uh, 
So, but yeah, uh, clean from Bottas, and he kept it. He was only about four seconds away from Ocon in the end. Now Ocon was fighting other issues, as we know. But so, but like, yeah, excellent for Bottas, and then Joe. What Joe's weekend was a tough one because he was screwed in qualifying because Magnussen overtook him into turn one on their last lap in qualifying Q one. So that ruined that. So he was out of position. Uh, he had a good, I think he had a good sprint shootout. Uh, where did he end up qualifying to Joe? Uh, oh, no, he's 15th. Oh, he should have, yeah, he, so he, he got a lot of time to lead. That kind of put him out of the equation. But he, in the sprint, he actually ended up finishing, oh, he finished P14. But he had a good race. He, but he was a big benefactor of the squabbling that ensued between Gasly, Stroll, and Perez. And that was a big one for him. He pitched it quite late in the end of Joe. So he could tie it at the end. So he, he fin- I think he finished on track in 12th. And then penalties are all those guys in front. Gasly, uh, Stroll and Perez. Bumped him up to initially 10th. And then that turned into 9th when Perez got another one at the end. So yeah, but like just the benefit of keeping a clean race. So I think on balance, Alfa Romeo got what they deserved on the weekend. Uh they're out of place with Joe. Bottas did well in qualifying to get his track position. He kept it clean. And an excellent result for Alfa Romeo that takes them ahead, I believe. Of, let me just double-check that and the extent of that. They move ahead of Haas. They now are on 16 points to Haas as 12. And a weekend where Haas could have scored points as well. But the difference is Alfa Romeo and their drivers, they both got it done. Haas did not. We'll talk about Haas later. But Alfa Romeo, just a, that's obviously look, it's taken them, what, 17 races to have their best race of the season? Yeah. <laughs> At least it was a, a bit later than last year. From Canada last year. Yeah, like they, had, they had that obviously such a long drought uh, before Joe picked up some points uh, at some point in, in 2022. Yeah, so... Yeah, like I think this is, their, this, this is their first point since the summer break at least. So it's been a long time coming for Alfa Romeo. And nice, like it's always been... No, 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 Bottas scored last week. Oh, you're right. Oh, and he, sorry, he scored a, sorry, he scored a Monza as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what Monza actually with that one. And Bottas has actually been okay the last few rounds. It's been decent, yeah. It's been it's been decent from Bottas. It was a it was a clean one from him. But yeah, like it's usually it's one or the other for Alfa Romeo. And this yeah, is a, both. It's a rare occasion we see both of them. So yeah, I'm happy for them. Like they, you know, it was a nice clean race for them. Nice to see them in the points. Nice to see them just be relevant for a weekend. Yeah. So. A good result for them too. So, like, obviously in the battle with Haas. So, yeah, excellent stuff for them. I don't have anything else to add about for me. I was like, you know, their moment no, is, maybe either. The road has come and gone. Uh, a couple, of, like, I'll give Ocon a good winner for him in terms of what he had to yep. fight through. He was sick in the car, I think, in the first stint. I think like lap fifteen or something or else. He was yeah, fighting. Twice. Yeah, so he was fighting that. He pulled himself to a good P seven in the end. So. So good points again. It's complete. Well, actually, it's not like completely inconsequential because I think that actually does move him. Does that move him ahead of? Uh, does that move No. Oh, okay. So two points. Uh, it moves. It moves him back within two points of his teammate, and three points within Stroll for tenth in the uh, in the standing. So it's going to be a little competition for if to finish in the top half here, and this this will mean something between. Uh, Stroll, Gasly, and Ocon. Well, sorry, it means something between Gasly and Ocon. I don't think Stroll, Stroll is a shit, but. Um, but yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> no, so but yeah, uh, brings Ocon back within some points of his teammate. And look, every there's a lot of people who really struggled in this race in terms of a lot of people. Some I think I think Leclerc was saying this may be some of the difficult, most difficult race in 
some driver's career up to this point, like in terms of physicality, yeah. the high speed, the lack of air and the humidity and the temperature as well. Like, in a sense, a winner to everyone who finished in a sense because it was it was tough work out there. It really was. And that, not, not to take away, of course, like, not, that's not to belittle Sargent who couldn't finish. Like, he was dealing with flu-like symptoms. You could argue, ask a larger question as, as to Williams maybe in hindsight maybe they should have taken a decision to maybe like who even is yeah, their reserve also, driver on duty for williams at, uh, it, it, james Vowles said on sky that it wasn't ill beforehand okay and um obviously we've had the scenario before where logan has said he refuses to drink during races yeah i was thinking so that when it got. happened it's like if this is the re- that, that really comes back to boy on the arse, yeah i was gonna say like if this is the, like if Fuck part me, of the yeah. reason is down to dehydration and Sarge is not yeah. drinking, then that's I'm like I can sympathise to a degree, but that is partly his fault if he's choosing not to hydrate in races. And he's and he's admit like if we didn't mention this on the podcast, he's he's admitted on record before that like, he doesn't he didn't drink during races before. So yeah, which is a it's terrible idea all around. But because I think again we mentioned that like there's a correlation between uh, hydration or dehydration and a drop off in athletic performance no matter what field you're especially in. in these you know especially in this con- in conditions like these jesus christ yeah so i don't it's know stupid so i don't know if he t- didn't take on fluid during the race or whatever but it'd be interesting it should be a mandate that you have to i'm sorry especially especially in in a desert man <laughs> yeah. you know Ugh. idiots that the fia allowed him allows him to do that yeah, if well, William should have been concerned about those comments. But I mean, I mean, I hope someone asks. I hope someone asks Vals about that at some stage because it is it is a strange one. But yeah, uh, but it's just yeah. So fair play to Ocon for making that work. Uh, so he gets some good points for his uh, for his efforts there. Uh, I don't really have a lot I of don't other have winner. winners. I've got a few in betweens, like Charlie Leclerc, yeah, for I've instance. Got, I've got both Ferraris. To be fair, as in Carlos actually did nothing wrong himself. He didn't. Yeah, not for race day. His qualifying wasn't great on, no. and it's uh, it was tough because like he, I think he put it. I think in a sense he was. I think he said he's kind of used this as a trial for Kota. I think he was saying in terms of trying to try. Oh, sorry, no. He tried to think something from Japan to try and get right for this single setup uh, in the sprint weekends. And then ended up proceeding to get knocked worked. down Q2 and said he expected to get knocked down Q2, which was an interesting one. But anyway, a uh, bit of a blip for science in their recent one. But yeah, like he didn't get a chance to fight in the race. <laughs> so that was tough. But he did like in the sprint. How did he get on the sprint? I, I, it's, yeah, he finished ahead of Leclerc in P5. Oh, that's right. P4. Yeah. Obviously, Leclerc was on softs, which was a oh, tough P5, one. Yeah. So. Solve result for science in the sprint, but yeah, that was a tough one. But Leclerc did nothing wrong, really. I'd argue he probably did well because he ended up gaining a position on Alonso in the end. In all that, he was behind Alonso for a bit. Undercut him initially, then Alonso overtook him again. And then once and then Alonso off. went off, there wasn't like it was no no looking back after that. I think to be fair, I some of that may have been pace, some of that may have been just Alonso just consolidating what he had in the end because uh, he ended up being quite a bit ahead of the uh, Alpines and the such in the end. So. But good result. Like, look on a race. I think Ferrari should be relatively happy because worst case scenario, like the before the race, one car drops out of the equation. The Mercedes starting second and third. You think, oh shoot, our chance for second is done. Done. Yeah. 
so all things considered to only be outscored like will they be like yeah they'll be disappointed uh with to be a 30 or so seconds off the mclarens that's disappointing but to be outscored by russell coming through the field yeah that'll be disappointing but bigger picture they didn't lose they lost out by two points in the end on the uh like or from the race day at least they gained a little bit more did mercedes in the sprint obviously with their two cars uh finished quite well in the sprint compared to uh, so they gained a little bit over the weekend but on race day itself it could have been so much worse for ferrari so i think bigger picture it it was tough to see mclaren and russell come through but it could have been so much worse their season could have been over basically uh on sunday yeah so and there's optimistic comments from leclerc and science about the 24 car i think it's, a bit, it's early to be talking about confidence because you don't for next year's car because you don't know what everyone else is doing but yeah no one get ahead of yourselves there was good feelings at the start of this year very much so yeah Oof, like we got excellent dyno runs for their ability i guess to be fair other like obviously there was that obviously bahrain was finished. rough like the first race is like oh geez like you know we got great reliability and then like leclerc conks out of third to be fair it's actually not been too bad on Friday, i think since then no it's literally bahrain in this race hasn't it in terms of reliability it hasn't been bad been at all. Driver mistakes, though they've been out of the race, not the actual car. Yeah, so I guess that sense, but yeah, like there's work to be done. But so I, it's early to be talking about next year's car and being confident. But I mean, sure. I mean, oh not? my god, we forgot, we forgot a winner. Did we? Alex Albon for the sprint scored points, man. Got a few points, yeah, yeah. You could throw them in here. You can't, you can't, can't really say that's not a winner considering the track. I, I was very surprised to see him overtake Alonso. Um, but yeah, smashed it, I guess. And then, yeah, they sort of came back to reality, reality in the actual race because of the tyre wear. But yeah, and everybody else being on the basically the same strategy, but still finished the race, which was with this considering every uh, the circumstances, finishing the race was an achievement. That was the other thing that yeah. was very tough for drivers. It was basically because Piastri put it after it's basically fifty-seven qualifying laps because like as though managing like for tyres, like you had to push it flat out to get your eighteen laps essentially, and then you're in. So that was the other thing that was very tough as well. Like they're everyone's pushing flat out essentially from lap one to lap fifty-seven. And since that's what F one should be, in it, like if you get like, have we become so normalized by having by Pirelli, having to babysit Pirellis that this is why it is? Like you go back to refueling, you had to push flat out because you had to extract the maximum out of the car because you you change tires, you 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 have to save fuel because uh, you, you, you you top it up. Like are we, are we that coddled that? We forget what pushing from lap one to the end is what F one kind of should be about. Yeah, so, I think we are. so that's that's tough. But anyway, the thing with McC- the Williams surprise on Saturday was there was as there was a mighty wind on Friday, like it's like twenty some like twenty eight or twenty six kilometers. It was a heavy wind, and this wind was significantly reduced on the Saturday. That helped the Williams, which you know is wind susceptible, and. Albon was on mediums, which helped a lot because a lot of drivers fell off on the softs, like Alonso obviously uh, included in that. And there was a drag race between Albon and Leclerc up to the line, which Leclerc won, but then got dinged with a penalty. So that moved Albon up to seven. So, look, that is two bonus points that Williams would not have expected. Yeah. Uh, which definitely helped a lot because the with what Alfa Romeo ended up doing on the Sunday. So their gap is still seven points to to Alfa Romeo but there's a big difference between that gap being seven points and that gap being five points which is what it would have been if Alpine hadn't got those extra points on Saturday 
just topped up a little bit more, hasn't he? Yeah, so. because that was five points that Alfa Romeo got themselves on their mm. on their, on Sunday. So yeah, that was you're absolutely right. That was a big result for them, even if Sunday didn't quite go their way. No, but you, I, I expected that. Mm. Yeah, uh, middle of the road, I'd say for Alonso as well. Uh, he, in a sense, uh, yeah, the the the, the 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 mistake in the race obviously took the shine off a bit. But Aston Martin looked pretty competitive, relatively speaking. Like, that was their best qualifying, I think, for quite a number of races, with Alonso in fourth. Again, helped by the McLarens. But even still, like, we've seen Alonso on the periphery of, like, ninth and tenth in Q3, not in not too recent past. So even to be in a P6 or P7, like he would have been if the McLarens had put got the laps together, that was big. So, again, he's doing what he can. Like, P6 is a solid result like again helped probably by Hamilton not being in the fray and just see what science would have mixed in it would have been in the mix of that but P6 like there's not again okay there was a mistake in the race and so so you can't like so I was going to say it's not too much more you could have asked yeah it seemed to be he was fighting the car a little bit on Sunday and it went I snapped on once almost devastatingly in the uh, second to last corner last corner Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so P six, he's doing. Look, he's doing what he can essentially. Like it, it's you know, it's two drivers versus one, and it's going to cost them fourth place. Now we, I think everyone can accept that. But yeah, like a, a sixth place is like fine. Like there's not much more that can be done with that. Yeah, uh, I'd say middle of the road as well for. Who else, really? Uh, for the for Sunday, Stroll did okay, I think, but I'm not going to put him in the middle for uh, the actual weekend. Yeah, I thought Magnussen's race was okay, and then he had fuel issues, which meant he couldn't... He got quite angry on the radio because he thought it was costing him a point, but it actually didn't cost yeah. him a point in the end. So, But Magnussen P14 had to drop behind Verstappen because to save fuel in the end, so that kind of uh, put him... So he, he would have finished ahead of Albon, because he's he was in that ten second range to Albon, but needed to drop behind Verstappen to get the last. So Albon was the last unlapped car. Verstappen lapped Magnussen. Therefore, you know instead. Of, so obviously Albon got to complete the last lap, whereas Magnussen didn't. So Albon's penalty then went. Uh, he he kept that P thirteen. So Magnussen would have been a bit higher up had uh, things worked differently. So yeah, he did apologize for for that afterwards on the, from the uh, on that side of things on the radio. He's come, he's come afterwards. The team said like it was our fault, really, like we, we, with the fuel. So that was tough. Um, a missed opportunity for Haas, I think, because Hulkenberg. Oh look, I don't know how much he could have kept, but he was in the points to start the race, and then obviously he was in the points. He, he here's the thing, he was on mediums in the sprint, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah, he would have got like. He would have got points from that sprint, wouldn't he? Like, it, like it wasn't, it wasn't his fault. He got taken. He was the sandwich in between Ocon, and so that was a tough one for Haas. There was points on the table there, either in the sprint. I don't know about the race, but not helped by a complete brain fart by a Hulkenberg going into the empty side slot. Yeah, it happens though. We've seen that happen, but for someone of his experience, experience, yeah, it shouldn't happen. That's a tough one. So and the team should have been reminding him. To be fair, as well. Yeah, so. I thought that too. So, but it, that is more a driver error than t- like. Oh, definitely, completely agree. Yeah, it should have been like he should could should have been reminded probably, but in the end, at the end of the day, it's up to the driver as well. So that was a rough one that put Hulkenberg in the back. So I thought he had a good sprint, bad race. 
the kind of pull him out of it with a tense penalty that came from that. Sonoda was doing well early on to fight with Albon, and then both of them dropped away, and then Sonoda dropped even further behind than Albon. So they, they mm. were scrapping for points early on, but that was really because Russell was out of the equation as well, and obviously Joe moved up quite a bit then during the race stint as well. So, yeah, Sonoda kind of dropped away. After that, uh, who's left at this stage? Is a in between? Uh, I don't think there is. I don't think really. Place, like yeah. lose of the weekend, uh, Pirelli obviously first and foremost on a week. They're they're next week because mo- uh, most of reporting that next week, this coming week, they're going to be announced as uh, their new deal to be the sole type of supplier until twenty twenty eight is going to be announced next week after successfully fending off Bridgestone's proposal. So. Yeah, what a great yeah. weekend for that to happen uh, on a weekend where it was embarrass- an embarrassment and uh, Gunther Steiner is saying this stuff shouldn't happen. Uh, and he's right, of course. But uh, yeah, so there's that. So well done to Pirelli for that nonsense in what is the biggest tire debacle since Indianapolis 2005. So congratulations to that. Mm-hmm. Um, taking all strategy elements out of this race, which could have been interesting. But uh, yeah, well done for that shit. And uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. Uh, I, I, do you want to add anything else on that? Want, I, I'll happily be a dead horse on this occasion, but uh, I think I don't want to talk about pretty much more. You want to do a shy? <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. This has been a season of them being beaten. Yeah. Uh, lose the weekend, firstly, for Lance Stroll. Right. Let's get into this. <laughs> Another Q1. Here's the ironic thing he was knocked out in Q1. This is his best qualifying result, apparently, since Hungary. And that was 17th. Love that. So, anyways, uh, he gets out. And I, that was only... Sorry, that's 17th because people got dinged with track limits. Just mm. just to throw that out there as well. Uh, or was it 16th? One of the two. Anyway, like, it was terrible. It's another Q1 exit. Uh, Stroll got out of the car, was very agitated, was seen then shoving... Uh, his trainer in the in the in the, in the back of the garage, and then proceeded to give one of the most petulant interviews I've ever seen uh, to the media. And uh, poor old Greg Stewart from uh, F1 uh, had to bear the brunt of it, uh, trying to trying to you know he's a professional like, and people were you know, on Twitter afterwards like, like well like like you show you show great professionalism like what can you do? But for Stroll like yeah just petulant stuff. Raised questions on a week where obviously they, they there was announced that Aston Martin are joining WEC uh, for twenty twenty five with the Valkyrie. Prompted questions like, does Stroll really want to be here? Like, is this ish? Is this the end of the road for Stroll? Like, does he really want to do this? Um, I don't think he does. You could argue because he's angry, he cares, but I don't know. I don't. It's, it's a double edged sword. You could you could frame it. You could frame the narrative however you want to. If you're a Stroll fan, you could say. Oh, it's because he gives a shit that he's this angry. Maybe there's an element... I lean towards that he doesn't give a shit, but not a totally, I guess, but I don't know. Uh, his teammates taking, you know, top fives and finishing in the points, and like you said, the, the Stroll's race was actually fine. If he hadn't got dinged with penalties, he would have scored points. But, yep. yeah. It's just... Yeah, that that level of behaviour, though, that he exhibited on Friday is absolutely unacceptable. Such as so, like... Aston Martin had to put out a PR statement afterwards, or a PR piece, to give more context to Stroll's qualifying on Friday because he answered nothing uh, in on the uh, on Friday. Then he had a session on Saturday 
was asked five questions. The team do what, look, the PR team, they do what they can to protect the driver. He was asked five questions in relation to yesterday and the PR officer basically said, that's five questions from yesterday. Like, in a sense, to try and move it on, so to speak. And Stroll was like, no, no, I want to, like, you got any more questions? Um, to Because Paul McHugh of moresport.com was trying to ask questions here as well. And he put the point afterwards. If In our line of work, if we, beha- if we, Basically, what he said was, if we did what you did, essentially, by shoving another t- uh, employee, then there would be some consequences to our You'd actions. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, I, he is right in a sense. Like, like if you do this in with the workplace, if you show violence in the work, and look, you could obviously like, throw this back to Verstappen as well. And there was obviously quite a bit that Verstappen had to do in terms of anger management in that sense. He had to do a couple of FI... Uh, courses and this kind of thing for this as a result of what he did to Ocon at the uh, in 2018 for the Brazilian Grand Prix. There should be consequences and reprimands for this, but the bottom line there is he, he, there won't be. You're right. Just stupid. Which is fishing that there is no accountability on the track and none off it. So no. Stroll went out to say that like you know like he's a bro like we're like he was he were good like he's a bro. It doesn't matter. I don't shove my bros like that. You don't. Yeah. Like. <laughs> You know, a lot of former drivers. I think, uh, I think Jimmy Broadbent on Twitter. Uh, again, look, not obviously. Like he's a racing driver. Like, like he's. I'm sure. Like he summed it up in a sense. Like we've all felt like that, but we don't act on. We don't do act it. like that. You know what I mean? Like it's. We do it to ourselves in the hotel room. Fair enough. There's a time right. and a place, and there's a cool down room for like drivers have their own room for this. But you can't. You can't do that to a, a team employee like that, and. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just not acceptable. So, lose the weekend for Stroll in that regard. Uh, I I don't think. Uh, look, he's in for twenty four certainly, but supposedly, yeah. Whether that change, maybe that does change between now and the end of the season. Who knows, man? Maybe he does. I, I think I think we're in in the point now where it changes. I think they have to realise Stroll is just an unhappy Stroll is just no point having him there. As much as his dad has built that team. Oh, there's no point. It's going it to cost them millions and millions for the prize money for finishing fifth instead of fourth. And then when you've got Alonso in the top three for a lot of the season, now he's dropped down to fourth. Like, you know, he's taken seven podiums. Stroll's not done a single thing. And I I think it's the greatest shame we didn't get to see Djokovic, like Djokovic in the car in race one uh, for Bahrain. But yet that's what Stroll's best race of the season was. I honestly think he should be dropped as a punishment for how he acted. For a race, he won't be though. That's the bottom line. He, will, he won't be. I know that. You know that. Oh yeah. But I, I believe that's what should happen as a consequence. Uh, it, it sounds to me the thing we got. Like I, I really think Djokovic deserves. Like if Lawson deserves a shot, so does Djokovic. Like to get a, a shot, a few races. You know, I, I, I really do think that. And um, maybe a, a fresh, a, a race or two away would be, would be, uh, would do Stroll's head good because like it's just we're going nowhere fast with this. There's no. And look, with a sprint weekend with the, the setup locked in, like if you got a tough one after FP one, it's tough all weekend, and that seemed to be the case with Stroll as well, and he kind of accepted that as well. And it's not going to get any better because we've got other sprint weekends coming up, and if you don't get it right in FP one there, then like you're heading for the same, you're heading for the same results over and over again. So it's another, it's another Q one exit. I can't remember when the last time Stroll scored points. Uh, I have, I have a, quick, a long time. I have a quick check for that, but yeah, it's just. It's just not getting better, and I. It's the best thing for everyone involved, including Stroll. I think he could be a perfectly good WEC driver. I I really think that yeah, could no, be a be fresh, fun, a breath of fresh air in LMP uh, LMDH. 
and to get away from this environment, maybe it might suit his own needs better. Maybe he does go play tennis. Who knows, man? But uh, it's just, it's not just... as many races. Bit more relaxed. Like Still on a good car. Like Giovinazzi's reputation is like as a driver is done some fairly solid uh, repairs from his uh, F1 stint after winning Le Mans. Like, that's, that could be a thing to help. Yeah. Uh, Belgium was the last time Stroll scored points, which was ninth. So, hmm. not, as, not as far away as I thought, to be fair. But, um, yeah, there you go. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, I don't have any other Lance Stroll thoughts, to be honest. Uh, Sergio Perez... The biggest loser, I think, of this weekend. From the whole weekend, um, yeah. Because these straw had a somewhat okay race. Again, probably should have scored points. There was very little for Perez to be uh, excited about, really. Very little. Um, literally, I, I don't think what happened in the sprint was his fault. No. For context. How that, just, that was just a racing incident. And I think uh, Ocon was aware that Perez was on the inside. It's just how It's just the nature of that turn one sequence is why that crash happened and then obviously um qualifying was not good either again not in q2 no more um, track limits again and like we saw in austria as well which was which was poor uh it was really it was really bad the sprint wasn't like i i don't even i blame ocon to an extent but i just thought he wouldn't have seen perez either like <laughs> no that's what i mean it's you can you can blame ocon up to a point but then again you sort of got to think um yeah, it's not entirely his fault. It's one of those where, like, if you're, if you do, like, I again, I'm not used to defending Ocon here, but like, it's one of those where, like, Ocon would move across, but like, it's also one of those things where, like, Hulkenberg would also move across when Ocon moves across. You know those synchronized moves where, yeah. like, one driver goes across and another one goes across. Just Hulkenberg couldn't because there's a car on his on his outside. But so yeah, yeah. But that was that wasn't Perez's fault. Uh, but they put him obviously on the back foot for a Sunday where to rebuild the chassis, rebuild the car. And they did that too soon, like they did for, like Williams did with Sargent in Japan. So I get, like, so in the sense that, like, Perez was kind of doomed from the start. But hmm. there's, and like, it's a tough race for everyone out there, but he was the one that was dinged the most for track limits and track limit penalties. And uh, it just was a, re- it was like, it was tough. Like, I'm sure the car wasn't great. And then that car had to be rebuilt. So, like, there's a lot going on here for Perez, but. It just doesn't look great, of course, when your teammate's obviously wrapped up his third championship and he's won 14 races. And it just seems another lifetime ago with Perez and his early season success. And I, again, I, I'm beginning to wonder if... I think I'm beginning to wonder if Perez doesn't secure second in the championship. Because this, again, this is important for Red Bull. This means something for Red Bull. They've won championships. They've won constructors. They've won all these races. races. They've broken all these records. They've never had one and two in the driver's standings. This it meant something to them last year. It means something to them this year. This shit really matters to them. It's one of the few things they haven't done. And if Perez snuffs that away, I I kind of wonder if they might move to end the relationship early. Like, yes, he's like they've tried to say this will support as best we can. McLaren said the same thing for Ricardo. There was a contract for Ricardo for twenty twenty three. It's sometimes you're best off parting ways. It, they, we may reach that point if Perez doesn't secure second. It, it, it. I, I don't think it's impossible at this stage. I, I don't think it's out of the you question. You can't have, you can't have your world champion teammate lapping you. 
in a race where a driver who got taken out finishes fourth in a car that's meant to be worse than yours. Yeah. And look, we saw this with Gasly and Albon when like Verstappen was lapping them. The end result was the same for them too. And, you know, if we're judging, like Perez has to fall into the same category. Arguably, it's worse in this sense because he's such a more decorated... And it's sad. Like, it's sad. like it's I hate seeing this because like, I like Perez a lot and... You know, he's. I think he's a good. I think he's a very good driver. Like again, he's come from like early this year. Like he was doing a great job, and last year he was doing a very good job as well. And he did good jobs at parts of twenty one. He was excellent in twenty twenty. Like he's a good driver, but there's just something not clicking here. And maybe another environment might just suit him better away from this because it's it's beginning to get a little too much. I think there is a perfect solution for everybody. Um. Aston Martin get rid of Stroll. Red Bull get rid of Perez. Stroll goes to work. Perez goes to Aston Martin as a stopgap. Um, and they love until... him there. They do love him there. And he would love it back being back there in a car that is still very competitive. It's not going like he's going to Williams mm. or something like yeah. that. Here's which would th- be the other option. Here's your thing. He basically also saved that team. Yeah, Because exactly. it was him that instigated basically the administration stuff when he... I recall loosely there was like the fee, like the fee, something that he was owed money-wise, and it looked ratty yeah. at the time, but it it was the best thing that could have happened for them to go into administration, then accelerate the sale of the team, and, and it isn't what it is now without that process. Starting. And Perez is huge; they, they they love him there. Yeah, and it's basically the same thing with bigger facilities and a new team beyond it. So um, I think that would suit him down to the ground. Then you just leave; it just leaves Red Bull sort of on the back foot. Yeah, like everybody's tied down. What do you do? Yeah, I, I like I suggested this last week. I think last week, like that, I like that a lot. Like Perez goes back to Aston, Stroll gets away, and then you either decide right, we'll put, we'll put Ricardo in. It's a big leap, yeah, but then in a sense, you're you you'll find out what you want to about Ricardo regardless. Yeah, and then you got you've you've got loss on the grid as well. So since everyone's a winner, the only thing that could backfire is Ricardo's performances in twenty four because since he's thrown in a pretty deep end as well. But he's a perfect like, in a sense like he's 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 got to get on with it as well. So you know he, it's the opportunity he would have wanted. So it's it's on him. So everyone and, it would be the biggest shithousery. <laughs> It, it would be like there'd be a lot of upset it would people. Be, I, yeah, I, I would be. I'd be fuming, absolutely yeah. fuming if I'm Norris. Absolutely fuming. Well, look, here's the thing: like you, if you're Norris, like you're committed to McLaren to the end of 25 anyway. That's your contract. They say there's no it outs is. in that contract. McLaren have done enough to turn I around. Mm. I absolutely battered into him to the ground for two years, ended his career essentially, and then somehow because Perez is so inconsistent and shite. He's ended up getting a seat at Red Bull. Yeah, like, fuck but, off. Yeah, but like that's but Norris. Know, it's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, it's that's Norris's own fault for signing that deal with no outs. That's that's his problem. Um, and look, you can look at like the vacancy is going to be at the end of twenty four anyway. So you expected Perez to be there to the end of twenty four anyways. Does it matter if it's another driver that you like the the end result? Like that seat is free at the end of two thousand twenty four for someone. It won't be for Norris unless there's an early termination stuff, and that's unlikely given. They've actually turned around at McLaren, so why would you leave? There's a lot to look forward to in McLaren if you're Norris. Like, and we made the yeah, case yeah. earlier in the year, like why you would leave. Now, obviously, the narrative changes. Like, why would you leave now? Like, the car is there. You've got like heck. 
you've got David Sanchez hasn't started yet. Neither has Rob Marshall. You know, there's a lot to look forward to here uh, with all these people yet to begin their their roles. So a lot can change, of course. Like you could have a case where Mercedes, Aston, maybe Ferrari, they move back ahead. But right now, everything's pretty rosy. So, you know, Norris wants to give McLaren a chance. He's, they've done it. They've given him a car for now. Let's see what happens at the end of 25. But like, who are the other alternatives? Like for Red Bull, like it's, there's not a ton like... Mick Schumacher, no. Like you have, you would have to get someone out from the grid, and why push? I I think just wait. There's no point. You, you need Ricardo needs that year. Yuki clearly isn't an option. They're not going to take Yuki. There's no way. Like, I'd be surprised if they did. You're they're taking Ricardo before they take Yuki. Like again, like it's Ricardo. Yeah, and I think I even think Lawson's ahead of Yuki. Yeah, like they would take Ricardo. I think first uh, before any of those. And everyone gets what yeah. they want. Red Bull find out what they want. Ricardo gets the Red Bull drive. It's up to him. I would then. only give him a one-year deal, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I would not give him any more and than I one. And I say to him, right, if it doesn't work out, you're going back to AlphaTauri. You Quite know. happy to have you there. That's fine. If you don't work, you don't work. Or you, you go we've got nothing else. to lose. You go to an Audi. Because, yeah. again, the drivers that come off the books at the end of 24, it's... Both Ferraris, although I do expect they will probably stay where they are. Leclerc, maybe, I'm not sure, depending how bad the Ferrari is, if not. Both Alfa Romeos, both Ferraris, both Alpines, both Haas cars, both Williams, depending what they do with the second drive, unless they sign a two-year deal for someone at the end of this year, replacing Sargent. Both Alphataris. Like, half... The only seats that are not taken... That are secure for uh, 25 and beyond is Verstappen, the two McLarens so, and the two Mercedes. That's it. And that's it. So 15 out of the five cars, uh, 15 out of the 20 cars are up for grabs. Exactly. So, like, yeah, you like it'd be foolish for Red Bull to give them any more than well, one. Like 20, you, 20, 22 cars. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it will stick. Yeah. yeah. So, we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, uh, yeah. Super full. Jeez. That was all Sergio Perez, man. Jeez. So, yeah, that, so that was rough. Well, if it wasn't so consistently shit, we wouldn't have the same conversation. Yeah, yeah, very much so. It's, it's, it's Pirelli. The two Ps have been the main support <laughs> of this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Perez and Pirelli. It's disappointing. I like Perez. To be, like I love. I really like when he does well. Like I, I like I really do. But I it, do. It has He's been. He's not doing himself any favors. There's like you can't justify it. You know what I mean? Like there's no justifying it. Like there's no defense for it. You could make you could bake in excuses if you want to in terms of like the pack for May and not be able to change the chassis and all this kind of thing and all, all like there's a lot you can try and do but it just continues a theme that has ultimately been the case since wash monaco yeah it just hasn't been enough anyways um phew, that's enough on perez i think uh, lewis hamilton loser of the weekend for his race day actions uh all the att- I, I do think it was a similar situation to Ocon. He's he's just misjudged. It's a, it's a misjudgment. Yeah, he's just misjudged where Russell is and where Verstappen is and the grip and how he could swoop around on the softs. And he's just I think he was right to do what he was doing because I would have done exactly the same thing. Well, here's the thing. I think it will, they've definitely pl- given where they start they again. That. They planned that definitely one hundred percent because the inside would not have been a, of an advantageous position for Russell to attack Verstappen unless he got a really poor start. They had the right. I, no problem with what Mercedes did. Put Hamilton on the softs. That's your best chance to overtake Verstappen. Absolutely. Because we, we saw it in the sprint. We saw the blueprint in the sprint. Hmm. Like, absolutely, that's absolutely fine. It's just Hamilton's misjudged it badly to a devastating effect. Not only ruining his own race, 
and then but then obviously ruining Russell's as well and that's that's the rough part so but yeah. hey he actually apologised for it so I can't knock him in that sense yeah his hands up and like yeah well, uh, illegally least... walked across the track which was great <laughs> yeah well, look he's no choice to put his hands up because it was it's very like he thought he'd take, been taken out by Russell but upon seeing the replay I, I thought it was the, that, that case to start off with and then I watched it back and I was like hang on a minute well yeah at first was literally done out first yeah. first replay is like oh yeah it's very clear what's happening first here. replay I was in hysterics for about three minutes <laughs> I was on the bus when to that happened point. and I was like oh, I was like oh, like I've, I've jolted and I'm sure I looked odd to someone on the on the bus but yeah it was uh... my girlfriend was like packing stuff away and she came across and was like what's going on I was like just laughing <laughs> yeah absolutely pissing myself so like that was that was rough and Mercedes missed out a massive opportunity as a result to have a fight for the podium secure P2 you know what I mean like yeah they would sign that would have shot off P2 yeah absolutely like a, a third and a fourth or fourth and a fifth would have based on the third and the fourth from the sprint as well that would yeah mm, right they already like on the weekend they already gained points on Ferrari but they missed out on about 12 more possibly yeah and that 12 more would have just given that security that they don't need to worry about yeah Italians. It would have been like over like forty points or something. So, which yeah. isn't impossible, but very unlikely. Yeah, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, like Total Wolf isn't even in attendance still at these races, and he came over the radio. I think it was to Russell He's afterwards. His knees done. Yeah, he was like just after the incident had happened, came over and was like, right, stop moaning and get on with it. <laughs> Yeah, so he's obviously not doing his typical thing. So obviously, he must like he must go to Brack, uh, Brackley and watch these races and be in communication still, like not not at home, so to speak, is uh, Toto. So I, I think he was at home. He was, I think he was just hot wired in. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So because I, th- I believe he's had his knees done. Yeah, so. oh, yeah, we he had we talked about it before the um, before Japan. Yes. He, he's getting his, he's getting it done before that. So I don't know when, I don't know when he's back, but. Anyways, tough one for Hamilton. Obviously, look, he put his hands up after, like after initially thinking it was Russell's fault. And you thought what, what, what the fallout could be from here. He put his hands up afterwards, like look, no, look, nowhere to hide really. Like it was very clear what happened. It was his fault. So, anyway, it's the bigger loser are more so Mercedes, and they're still obviously in P two for now. But it would have been nice to have had that margin. It's just that's just difficult for them. Yeah. So. Anyways, uh, science you kind of already talked about. Difficult for him not to get to start the race. Uh, last loser I would have is probably Lawson. I think this was his toughest weekend on in his uh, four good races. I thought, but this is like the most understandably most ordinary one. And look, even Sonoda was understanding. It was like it's basically like one practice session to get locked in. Dif- difficult to do as a rookie. Like he's never been to. Yeah, well, I mean, you could say that, like you know, Piastri yeah, and Sargent never been here either. I know. So. I know, but like he was definitely he struggled the most at Lawson at this event. He was off Sonoda all weekend. Uh, his own mistake put him out of the sprint. Uh, yeah, just very silly that one. It was a tough one offline, a bit more dusty, I think, than he realized lack of grip and just lost. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was a tough one. So not the not the best known to go out on. We fully expect Ricardo to be in the seat for Kota. I'd be surprised if Lawson was back in before the end of the season. But look, a, a, a sour note maybe to end seat on. Going at Red Bull. Yeah, maybe, maybe a sour note to end on. But look, Lawson can hold his head high with the work he's done uh, in these. Uh, look, it's been a very unique circumstance. Like he had the whirlwind that was how he got in the first place, and the wet weather at Zandvoort. 
Then, like, the stuff at Monza, like, Singapore was an interesting one as well. Like, he's had four very unique Grand Prix here, I think. Oh, yeah, all opposite ends of the spectrum in their own circumstances. Very, very, very testing. Different. Yeah, so, like, I think he's done obviously well, yeah, I think very he's well. Done well. Yeah, so. I, I don't think they could have done a better job, really. The only one that was really went to shit was Qatar, but yeah, that was bound to happen at some point. So I'm fully understanding of that. Just could have been better. Yeah, it could have been better on this one, but see, like, yeah, kind of, like, it was most ordinary than rookie like that he's looked. And there are, like, again, you could give somewhat just five reasons as to why. But uh, yeah, difficult one for him. Obviously, Sergeant, ah, this is the tough one, man. Like, his pace was good this weekend. It was actually good. And they spun yeah. off in the because uh, he was right there with Albon and on Friday, like he was only a couple of uh, hundreds away of, or a tenth or so away from Albon on in qualifying on Friday. So that was good. Then the sprint, like, okay, like yeah, he spun out and had mistaken himself. But even then, you were like, all right, but like you still got the race on on Sunday, and then that went to shit as well for him having the Just flu exhaustion. essentially. And he tried to he tried to gut it out and. Uh, you know, fair play to him for attempting it, but like he has to be physically helped out of the car afterwards. And the Williams boys, like they, you know, they try to fill the front of the car so as to not see him pictured like being helped out. And you know, they like and Vowles has been coming out defensive again for for uh, Sergeant over the weekend as well. Like they're, they're it's you, just you can't say he's not yeah. had the support, and he, they asked continue to support him. And this was like this is a tough one. Like he, you know, it, it was I actually thought the beginning part of the race, he was actually right in the thick of it as well. Like he was not a million miles away from Albon either. Like he, I thought the beginning of the race was actually going well as well, but yeah. given the conditions that were in it, it was just too much. And again, look, fair play for him for giving it a go. And if you, you can't do it, you can't do it. Like, you, like with the conditions that everyone struggled with, you can't fault him for not being a, especially when you're unwell as well. Like you're, that was a tough race at the, for the fishest and the healthiest of all the drivers out there, let alone when you're under the weather. So, you know, you you there's you can't fault him for not being able to finish it out. Yeah, just not what he needed. It's just it's just tough, man. Because again, for just a different reason this time, he's shown promise, but just for one, it just it just can't he just can't for whatever reason see it out. And this is the best he's looked for quite a while, I'd say. And oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. That's tough. It's tough. So. Yeah, a hopefully the one. land of land of the eagles is a different kettle of fish. Hopefully, like it's his pro- like this is I say it's the most in a sense like this is it's the most American of the home races I think in like in Cota. I, I I think that's it's weird to say it, that, but like because we got three races, second of the three. Yeah. <laughs> well, Florida. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Sorry, it's Florida is his home one really, but like the U.S. Grand Prix for me is Cota. Like that's that's the U.S. Grand Prix really for me. Mm. Anyway, um, I think that just about does it for in terms of the race. Um, any lingering thoughts, or I'll see if anything else has come through here afterwards. But uh, any other thoughts on the Qatar Grand Prix? Race rating seven and a half. I'm going six and a half. Seven. I'll go seven. Yeah, it uh, wasn't the best, but wasn't the worst. There was lots of action. We had lots of converging strategies, even, or I guess, like, I guess people who pitched it later, and I guess versus people who pitched it earlier. Uh, Hamilton fine and reprimanded for walking across the track, by the way. 21,000 euros or dollars or whatever it is. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so nothing else coming through. Uh, Gyro's unhappy, of course, with the uh, track limits, naturally. 
So, so like, yeah, I, I, they always are. Some of it looked like in the like on the onboards. Like it's weird. Like in Austria, it looked pretty clear cut on the onboards, but on some of the onboards from this weekend, they look it looked really close. It was a it was a difficult one. I can I, like the track limits, the track limits, but for some reason, it seemed even tighter here than it was in Austria. I don't know. Like it, you looked on boards. Like did that really go over? And then you see another camera that was like barely, but yeah. oh, difficult one. But um, yeah, uh, look, there. Were, uh, I guess sorry. Before we move on, any other thoughts on the Qatar Grand Prix before we uh, wrap? Before we rather move on from the Qatar Grand Prix? No, I don't. I don't either. Uh, so, a couple of other bits of housekeeping. We're gonna leave. There's a lot, obviously, of the weekend about Andretti and the eleven team, and obviously F1 officially approved. Or sorry, FIA officially approved of the entry. So. Now it goes to F1. There are comments from a lot of different teams uh, from and other personnel from the weekend. We're going to shelf that until next week because A, it's not going anywhere. B, we may find some resolution to it. Um, there are cases for and against. Our favourite James Vowles made a passionate argument against. We'll kind of dissect his argument. Uh, next week, we'll go through... Like, ben, Mohamed Ben Salim is confident that F1 will agree. I, I can't understand why he would think that, but based on what people have been saying, but <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, look, we're going to sh- talk about all that and the larger problem and the franchise model that teams are feel like they're entitled to and what teams add value and all this. There's a, it's, a, it's a mess. It's an absolute mess, and there's a lot that needs to be said about it. We're going to shelf that to next week. Couple of other, we'll couple. Of, we'll hit on some other smaller news ones, uh, some nice ones here to end before the, uh, before the, before we finish up here. Uh, Ollie Behrman, two FP1 outings for Haas. Well, for you, you thought it was Ferrari. But uh, yeah, that I thought, would have been funny. Uh, yeah, I misread it. I thought it was Ferrari, but uh, it is for Haas. Yes. So I get. Look, um, I, I guess we kind of expected it to agree, but it's nice to see it officially. Now, once upon a time, of course. Haas was back in 2016. Haas was the team that Charlie Leclerc got to grips with in terms of first FP1 outings. In Interlagos. It's early, but yeah, in Interlagos. Do we think these are early precursors of an Ali Berman to Haas thing? We've talked about this. You've talked about this passionately as well. Yeah, no, this this is definitely happening. I'm confident one of the Haas drivers gets replaced in 2024. For, at the end of 2024, sorry. So, and all Behrman has to do is finish top five in F2. Jobs are good. In. Yeah, I reckon so. Because he's, he's so young, of course. So Let's say he's 17 now, so. Mm-hmm. Or 18, so like, there's no way he doesn't get promoted next year. I don't think. Unless he's absolutely shocking. Which I doubt. Yeah. The, uh, and Ferrari needs to get someone in. The blueprint for him, of course, is to basically look at poor chair and... Basically, like, I need to not do what he did. Yeah, I need to do better, exactly. So, and not stick around here. So, be out after two seasons. You know, you have your rookie season. Yeah. It's had, again, I think, I know the, the F2 championship. Look, we both agree that the most impressive, like, Porsche is going to win the championship. Vesti is going to finish second. But we both agree the most two, the two most impressive drivers this season, the, what we think is the who has got the best raw pace that may translate to F1 in the future, uh, or at least get a shot, maybe. We both agree that Martins and Behrman, the rookies that have come in this season, have taken it to the guys who are in two years, three years. These have been the standout guys for F2. And I imagine Definitely. they're 
they're they're going to come into the next season. Next year. Absolutely, they're both title favorites next year. They're both going to come back. They're both. It's going to be f- so much fun to watch those two. I hope we could see it happen. I hope we see because I don't think Dune's going to stick around for some reason. I just don't think it'll happen. He Not might. Really. He might have to because he's Alpine. But <laughs> I don't know. I think he might go do something like Super Formula. Maybe. Like Schwartzman was out after two. Lungar was out after he two. Was. I thought was out yeah. after two. Yeah. So you know there is a, there is precedent for this, but yeah. Uh, anyway, so I'm excited for that. Uh, looking forward to Behrman getting some FP. It's just the name. You need to see the name. Get him in there. Just people need to start seeing the name, and I'm liking that. So, anyways, good stuff for uh, Ollie Behrman. I think yeah, Haas. I, I love it. Like it's just I would love to see it happen. I think it will happen. I think you're absolutely right. Um, because he fit, again the thing with Steiner is I know he's been burned by young drivers but it like and he said he has said before like like a Leclerc like a Russell I think Behrman can like I'm sure like a Piastri like so like I'm, I'm I think Behrman I'd, I'd can, even say he'd take he'd take more hands you know what I mean mm, like I think these guys fit this bill I think Behrman fits this bill yeah so excited for that that should be uh we yeah, look forward to that uh other junior news uh, F3 champion Gabriel Bortoletto signed to McLaren's junior program. So I like it. I like it a lot yeah. for a few reasons. Uh, one, well, here's the thing it's actually rare enough for McLaren to take on a junior driver like this, like in a sense. I was going to say they, they don't really. Mm. They don't pick up drivers that have already passed this process and are basically established and then add them to their driver pool. Not, they, they, it's going to be very strange to see a McLaren blanded. Uh, F2 car next year. Mm. Like the teams who kind of do willy nilly in driver in terms of re- junior or junior drivers are Red Bull, uh, Williams, I would say, Ferrari, and Alpine. And Alpine, they're the main ones. the The ones who are much on a much lesser scale are Sauber, uh, to do Mercedes, Haas basically never do it, and I don't understand why. Aston kind of only just got in with Djokovic. Yep. And even then, that does that even count as F? Because he was already F two champion. No, they literally signed him up on the weekend. He won the title. Basically, won the title. So yeah, so they, that hardly counts. McLaren don't do this often. Their last ones are Norris and Nick DeVries. Yeah, I want to say dropping DeVries anyway. Yeah, before he even finished F two. So yeah, so the McLaren don't do this often. So this is a bit. This is this is fairly notable. It's smart. It is smart. I I like it a lot because look, I know. F F three wise, like I, like, I think Bortoletto. I don't like. Yes, he won the title as a rookie. That is impressive, but I think we're going to find out whether Bortoletto is legit or not in F two next year. Like I, 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 you know, it's not like I don't. I can't look at it like a Piastri winning the F three title, or I can't look at it in the same in the same vein. So it was very mediocre championship. So like, what we're trying to... yeah, like because at some part of the year, like. Like Bortoletto was consistent. He won feature races more so at the start. He qualified well. He kept him in the hunt all the way through. He was very consistent. But he had at every stage of the championship essentially in F three, it was someone else's turn for the like in terms of like the form driver or like behind. And like they all cycled out. And what I mean by that it was start of the season it was Gabriel Mini. And then he mm-hmm. he was the championship uh, contender with uh, Bortoletto. He fell away. Then it was Pepe Marti. He fell away. At the end of the season, it was Zach O'Sullivan, and he ended up finishing second place to Bortoletto in the end. So, like, kind of, you did these inconsistent challengers that meant we didn't really get a proper title fight in F3. 
So Boris Leto, I think he did well, definitely. Like as a rookie, he came in, he was very impressive. But I don't think we, we've learned that it's impressive, but I don't know about the star potential yet. I didn't really see it in Freca. And, thing, and things mm. can change, of course. Like things, these things can change as you go up through the formulas. Some drivers get on better in F2 than they do in F3. And we saw that with like of Wasa, for example, was a great example of this. Uh, heck, even uh, Kushmaini would made a big step from F3 to F2. And I didn't expect that. But Kushmaini had some very good yeah. races in F2 this year. So Bortoleto, I, I'm not, the jury's still out. We're going to find out for sure next year in F2, what Bortoleto is all about. Is there star potential there? Is he legit? I'm not sure yet, but I think it's a good step for McLaren to find out. I don't think it'll mean anything for their F1, but here, what I really like for, uh, what I really like about it for, for Bortoleto, because McLaren are involved in so many different categories, that he can go a, so open. many different ways. Yeah. He's done himself a bunch of favours because he's basically saved himself for at least three years, hasn't he? Because if it doesn't work out to get to F1 and he goes to Formula E or he goes to IndyCar, I very much doubt he goes to IndyCar, but he can definitely go to Formula E. Well, he he could go to IndyCar because McLaren announced an, uh, a technical partnership with Hunkos Hollinger. So he could even go which in there. Which we loved it. Absolutely love it. We love the link. We know now, based on reporting and I and sourced from the race, they are fans of Eilat, even though they didn't they they chose Malukas over him essentially. Which I think was more to, obviously to do with the oval stuff. But we know that they want a fourth car in the future. So Eilat could even go up still. Look, you you mentioned afterwards Alexander Rossi's days at McLaren may be numbered. <laughs> Maybe they are. Definitely. But like that's a nice thing for Bortoleto. Like it's, it's a good place to be because there's somewhere to go. Uh, Formula E, I don't, I don't extreme E. No, okay, let's let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> but Formula E, IndyCar. If maybe he does turn heads, maybe McLaren find him something in F one. Maybe like you just don't know. Like it's nice. Like that's a nice place to be. They don't folk like they've usually they don't fo- like if they can focus on one driver because he's their only one essentially. Apart from, uh, they, sorry, they do have uh, Ugo. Oh, sorry, I, Ugo. Ugo, shh, hold on, let me pull up his name because uh, he did, was involved in F three testing. Because uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure this is this is their uh, their driver as well. Where is he? Uh, Ugo Ugo Chukwo, hmm. I believe is there as McLaren Junior as well. But they've had him now for a year or two already. So yes. Anyway, so like, but it's nice. Like, you like, it's not like you're in Red Bull. Like, it's like you're like there's a 500 of them they're focusing on. Like, it's just, but it's. I keep saying Bedower. I keep saying Bedower for some reason. It's Bortoleto. <laughs> Definitely not Bedower. Whose son I think was involved in F and I either Freca or F three F three testing. <laughs> um. So yeah, I like a lot for Bortoleto, uh, and I like it for McLaren as well to explore that because again he was. You know, it was a matter of time, really, as who, like, who, like, you know, these drivers. We saw like, Maloney last year as well. Like, someone's got to sign him up as for what he did. And yeah, there you go. Mm. Uh, so, we mentioned IndyCar very briefly. Uh, any thoughts on Grosjean uh, bringing Andretti to uh, arbitration? <laughs> what do you do? Just funny. <laughs> what do you do? If doing? this is what you have to do to get a seat, then just stop. Oh. Just go and drive your Lamborghini hypercar. And leave it be. Yeah, go to your Dale Coin. Go drive Lamborghini. Uh, what are you doing, Grosjean? Like, what? On what grounds is he? Is he? Is it just? Is he just chasing a few extra dollars? 
I don't know. This Probably. the statement was very vague as well. Way. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I don't know. Uh, also, we got we got a rumored report figure on uh, what does the figure that McLaren are suing Alex Pelot for? Yes. Uh, do you remember it off the top of your head? No, I do not. Uh, it's a lot. It's like either it's twenty three million or thirty one. I remember seeing one of those two 23, figures. Twenty twenty three. So. Quite a lot of money, obviously. So uh, I doubt Pelot has got that. To... Look now, look. I'm sure Ganassi will front it up somewhere. But uh, for if 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 it if it does come to pass, they need to pony that up much up. But uh, anyway, a weird one. Last one I want to mention. There was F3 postseason testing. Now, as we know for this thing, and I love this. This I love this shit. We know for for the postseason testing for F3 and F2, these go usually a long way to basically an early look at what will the f3 and f2 grid basically look like for the yes. next year f2 more so than f3 but for f3 i thought there were some interesting uh developments uh mini moving to prema basically uh, i would say which is a yeah. interesting one lots of gyros making uh testing from freca this year likes of uh, martini stenshorn with high tech not art although that could still change of course uh, Santiago Ramos and Trident. Oh, that'll be a good one. Ramos is one of those where I feel like he's he has pace, but just for one reason or another, it hasn't been able to really come to the fore this year in Freca. So I think he mm. could go up to F3 and do very well. Uh, Sammy Mikatunov also in the Trident. That's a nice spot for him. Uh, maybe a bit more than he deserves. Uh, Ugo, Ugo Chukwu. Okay, I'm saying that wrong. Uh, my apologies. He tested uh, for Carlin. So that's coming. I think. I think he's yeah, going. Straight, I think he's straight going straight from karting. I think, or maybe Italian F four or something. No, because he's, he's, he's an F. He's an F four British F four. Yeah, because he's definitely not on Freca. So there's that. Uh, nicely, Hadrian David testing for MP. David really should have gone up last year, but I don't think he had the funding. So yeah, and, he, and that's why he wasn't even on the Freca grid for a lot of this year as well. So David is quick. He was a Alpine junior. I assume. Yeah, I have to, I have to assume he was dropped, but. Anyways, uh, Lawrence Van Hoopen has been a solid Freca driver the last two seasons, so he's in there with ART and testing. Uh, nice bump up, hopefully, for Sophia Flourish, who, who was testing with Van Amersfoort. That'd be a nice step up from the uh, PHMs to actually give her a chance to actually fight. Mm. Uh, I like Josh Dufek a bit. He was in the PHM. That was uh, good to see. Uh, <laughs> Charlie Verts doing some testing for Jenser. Was, uh, was Yeah, that was interesting. Um, there's a driver for PHM who did some testing as well. Uh, Tan Paul Ithrachfuch Vasak from Thailand, yeah. Uh, Tim Tramnitz, of course, one of the more notable F- uh, Freca drivers, MP Mosworth. That'll be a uh, I'd like to see him in an ART, I'm not gonna lie, but that obviously that could change. Uh, Mary Boyer saw a Freca driver as well. Uh, oh. Montoya and a Campos, please get yeah, a do not please get a better drive for the love of goodness. Uh, f- the most surprising one I think here, uh, Zane Maloney was doing some testing in F three. Was he with Roden Carlin? Yeah, this went well under the radar. What? Yeah, yeah, Maloney was testing in F three. That does not bode well. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. I had to double. He's probably being dropped by the Red Bull program. Though. Yeah, I had to double take on this when I saw it, and I had to look it up because it wasn't announced in any of the F three announcements. Because 
I think even they wanted to keep it on the hush-hush that Maloney was back in, because that's never good. I don't recall seeing someone who's gone from F2 down to Unless. F3 to, for testing. Unless it was just a thing of they didn't have a driver and he filled in. Maybe, but... Because he tries to call in for in F2. Maybe, but there's so many drivers you could pick for. Like, there is. There if is. you're picking, for no, with, no, with, no, with all due respect, if you're picking Tassan and Apol, Sorry. Yeah, but why would they not go for like, someone like Luke Brown in a... Uh, Browning was testing for high-tech. Uh, yeah, I have... Like, so, I, mentioning, of course, like, they have usual suspect that you Taylor Barnard, you had... Uh, where, where was Taylor at? Beganovich. But uh, Barnard's at PHM, which I hate as oh, well. for fuck's sake. Taylor I, was good last yeah, year. Yeah, he was good. I would like him... Again, he was in a Genza. I would like to have him... That's a, what I mean. A better Consider car. Him. Uh, him and Browning, I really liked. Oh, Ollie Gray was in an ART. Yeah. So, okay. so by the way, Keen Shields is the most Irish name, but he's he's a uh, British. <laughs> We're under British license. <laughs> a bit of Irish descent somewhere. Has to be, else. has to be. But um, that's the thing. Like, there's so many guys you could pick from. Be it from Italian F4, British F4, French. F4, like, like this and um, Freca. There's so many people you could go for. I just, I, I'm just very concerned for uh, for. Maloney for that. Half, it? Mm. Uh, Ollie Girth in the Campos as well. So yeah. That... Oh god. Uh, look, there's a lot. Like there's a lot of drivers that take part in this. Some from different to different teams. So, like it's not. It's obviously not a final, but it goes some. It does indicate somewhat as to where teams look in terms of that. And um, most notably, I would say the absence of Kimi Antonelli is probably a pretty a clear sign, sign that he was. He is going straight to F two because. You don't want to lose out in testing time when it comes to this. If you're if you're definitely going to be in F3 the the following season, testing time is so important, both in season and obviously pre-testing, both the end of the year and the beginning of the year. You don't want to miss any test time. So the fact that Antonelli now look, I believe he's that good that he could come in and late for F3 testing and get up to speed quick enough. But you don't want to mess around with this kind of thing usually. So the fact that he's absent here is, I would look at a pretty good authority that, or a pretty sorry, a pretty good indication that he's not going to be in F three. He's going straight to F two. Hmm. So that's Definitely. very interesting indeed. Uh, a shame in the sense because I'd love to see him and Stenshaw battle out in F three, but uh, maybe they'll see each other again in F two. I hope. Hmm. I hope. Um, Right, that's all I had, essentially. I wanted to make mention of that, because I imagine that a lot of next week will be dedicated to the Andretti stuff and the 11 team, and there's a lot to say about that. Um, we have some time as well, because there's no race next week. There's a, a calm before we pick up a triple header, <laughs> so it's going to get frantic. I thought it was a race. I was like, why the fuck are we going from Qatar to USA? But, yeah, apparently not. No, get some rest, and uh, we'll be back in action for a triple header to... Uh, this latter part of the season so yeah that should be fun but anything else you'd like to add on anything we've talked about from either Indy or F2 or F3 no that's it from me Ooh, excellent stuff right that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast I've been Graham I've been Mr. Heat mmm oh bring it us and uh, we shall see you next week goodbye <laughs>